Uh, we're happy to be joined by indie, indie contributor Ben Mankoff. And, um, Ben is basically a, uh, public school, uh, what's the word? Oh my gosh. Public school substitute turned librarian who wrote a really interesting article investigating what is going on with the New York City public school libraries. Uh, and this article was in the November, December issue of the independent. Basically, Ben found that, uh, there are, uh, large disparities within access to libraries and that the available figures, uh, indicate that over 60% of public city high schools do not have the state mandated library media specialist, aka librarian on staff. And more than 40% don't have any library space at all. So, Ben, uh, welcome to WBAI. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And start off by telling us how you got involved with the New York City public library system in the first place. Yeah, so I signed up to be a, a substitute teacher in February of this year. And on my second day um, on the job, I was assigned to this uh, high school campus in Flatbush. And uh, if you don't know, a, a campus uh, is a is a building that houses more than one school. So um, in this case, there are three high schools in one building, and you have three principals, and um, they all share a library space. And uh, this library space had been uh, abandoned since COVID, and um, I was hired essentially as a kind of release valve for the lunch periods when the cafeteria would be too crowded to oversee the space, um, the overflow space in the library. And what I found there was basically that it had become a storage room. Um, it was occasionally used for, uh, like teacher professional development, but it was not in, at all a functioning library for the students or for the teachers for that matter. And, uh, I, I took it upon myself because of the, uh, the light that went on in the students' eyes when they walked into the library for the first time in a couple of years because of COVID. And, uh, and then? I, I thought, I, yeah, go ahead. Well, can um, you talk about what you've noticed about the, the students' relationship to the libraries when they do have a library? Or if yeah, they don't have well, a library? I mean, a library can serve uh, a lot of functions. And in the case of, of this campus library, actually having a space for students to come and be separate from other students during uh, lunch is really valuable. Um, but the, I mean, instantaneously when I showed up, students were um, saying, well, can we, can I take some books home? Is that allowed? And can I, uh, how many can I take? Uh, can I come in here every day and do this? There was an instant hunger uh, for, well, physical books, for one thing, um, and for the the quiet space, for the access to computers. I have students doing homework uh, when otherwise they wouldn't be able to do it uh, during their lunch period. So the library can serve a lot of functions, but it's also really important for teachers to have access to um a a trained professional, which I should repeat, I am not um, as a substitute. I'm not a certified librarian, um, but a certified librarian can 
help a teacher with a uh, a research unit and in the in the best cases the um the media literacy and and uh information fluency is really tied all, all the way through um for every teacher in a school through the library it can be fully integrated into the curriculum unfortunately that's not the case in um with the high schools that i'm serving right now in my job right and Um, and go ahead no 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 you please okay um so, so this is something that, uh, uh, the, the lack of libraries and the condition of the libraries, I think is something that a lot of people don't know about. Uh, myself and John did not know about it. I mean, you know, disparities within the New York City school system is always talked about, but yeah. I, I didn't even know this was happening until a librarian and a union leader, uh, came up to me at a Labor Day protest and was like, our libraries are deeply suffering. And that was, Christina Gavin, she's great. She's quoted in your piece. And then through her, we found you. So um, obviously many people within the sphere see what the situation is, but what inspired you to want to volunteer and, and write about it? And and then in digging, um, what did you find about yeah. here? So Christina has been an incredible resource for, for my reporting on this uh, question because she's really tied into the, um, the UFT and, uh, the work that they have attempted to do to address this issue. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can say more about that in a minute, but I felt like I was in the kind of unique position because I was basically plugging this hole that, uh, well, I came to discover why that hole was there in the first place, but that was, that was kind of my question was there clearly is uh, a deep desire and need for a librarian and a library, a functioning library program in this school. Why am I here? Why have these principals decided to hire a, a, an uncertified substitute who can't provide the full services that a librarian can to serve, to serve their students? Um, and so what I found was really essentially the principles, um, especially in, uh, a high school where the, uh, mandate for librarian is unfunded. Um, they have discretion over whether or not they employ a certified librarian. Now they are mandated by the state too, but that mandate is been unenforced for decades at this point. And even in, in 2013 or 2014, the UF, I mean, well, the, the DOE requested from the state to have a waiver so that they, they didn't have to uh, enforce that regulation. In response to that request for an official waiver, the, the UFT appealed the the chancellor the state education chancellor's decision i learned this through christina after <laughs> writing this piece um they the uft appealed the request for the waiver to regulate to man to enforce the mandate um and the chancellor the state education chancellor denied the appeal um but said i'm direct 
contacting my office to make sure that uh, the DOE has the resources to enforce the mandate, even though in on paper, the mandate was still going to be unfunded and unenforced. So um, the reason that matters is principals, especially in on campuses. Uh, 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 so you've got Sometimes as many as nine principals sharing one space out where to spend money. And the librarian uh, is often the very last thing to be to have money spent on it because, and this is what uh, one principal told me um, and is the case, um, has been re- reported on um, since Bloomberg uh, started splitting up schools in the early 2000s. Um, Principals are essentially not able to come to a shared vision for what they want to do for the library space. And so they leave it off the table when they're discussing um, where to spend money. Right. And also because the mandate is unfunded, the, the, uh, the first, some of the first roles in a school to be um, accessed, which means their their job is ended, even though they will still be continue to be paid, um, are the librarian because that's one of the first uh, budget items that can be cut. Um, yes, go ahead, John. Sorry. Right. No, I think one of the really interesting things that your your article uh, brought out uh, was what's happened with these the division of these school campuses over the last twenty years. Uh, as you were noting a moment ago, uh, this was a major initiative in the in the Bloomberg years when uh, he was given full mayoral control of the schools to take uh, uh, large campuses and divide them up into five or diff- six different smaller themed schools uh, with the idea of essentially kind of creating competition. Like, OK, we'll create these different small schools and their principals will have the chance to be entrepreneurial education innovators and the ones who uh, turn out to be the best at that, their schools will survive and be the, you know, model for uh, education and the ones that uh, falter will be discarded. But um, in this sort of, uh, you know, corporate, uh, you know, reform model, uh, somebody uh, forgot to think about like, oh, we're going to have, uh, you know, uh, now six, you know, principals and six, you know, assistant principals and, you know, this incredible multiplication of staffing uh, at each of these schools and yeah. the problems with coordination inside the school buildings that uh, even even though they wanted to, you know, foster competition, uh, you know, for these schools to actually uh, function well, they had to uh, be able to cooperate. And and as you're saying, uh, this lack of cooperation um, that was created under the system caused things like uh, libraries to be discarded because the six principals and, and their staff couldn't agree on what to do with the space. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really yeah, mind-boggling. Well, and the the kind of the uh, idealized vision of what competition can produce. Um, the, the kind of vacuum of a market that is, um, in theory, what the, the Bloomberg administration was trying to create, um, a, a market for educational models, um, by breaking up these schools. Um, and the, the same ethos is going into the, um, charter schools, of course. Um, 
there are so many contributing factors that that make um, market logic not really hold up in a large, the largest uh, education system in the country. Right. And New York City Public Schools, um, you're talking about 1,800 schools. And yeah, so you've got yeah over a million students. Um, and by some measures, the most diverse in the country, too. And uh, the, the language of uh, not being able to come together around a vision for for the library really it it sounds to me like the language of a startup um, about uh, that a that a, a visionary entrepreneur would be coming in to lead one of these schools. And occasionally you do have successful versions of that. You've got uh, a principal who's able to often in a wealthier neighborhood. Um, where the, the alumni, uh, are wealthier, where the parents, uh, the PTA is able to raise money for the schools. You have principals that are able to have a lot of success, um, be, with operating with a lot of independence. But, uh, in poorer neighborhoods and in schools that are, for instance, sometimes schools these will be open. These smaller schools will be open within a larger campus in a staggered way, and a principal will come in into a hostile environment where they're the, the school that they are replacing is still operating there, and they're then they're fighting for resources with a school that's going to be closing within a year. And this is a process that has largely slowed down actually in the last few years, but the um, you know, Christina Gavin, who Amba mentioned, um, she described the school system to me as operating like thousands of little serfdoms or almost 2000 little serfdoms or with principals operating independently. And, um, and the library really is uh, a casualty of that. Um, they're, they're able to, uh, focus on, um, particular programs that that maybe they have uh, a a special interest in um and they can be those can be successful but then this the communal space the shared space is uh is left to become storage storage facilities too often right uh it's a sad reflection of our priorities uh, not a reflection it 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 shows starkly the priorities of the city um and, and speaking of that uh, uh, and competing for resources, uh, you know, you reported that recently the Department of Education's panel for education policy actually had to choose between public schools having social workers and librarians. And that obviously has a lot to do with the public schools being vastly underfunded um uh to the point of that underfunding being put um being brought um to trial be Adams being sued for that. But but anyway, right. so talk about this decision to choose between public school librarians and social workers and if that's um been decided and then uh, any other updates on sort of where we stand with this, although it seems bleak. Yeah. Uh as far as I know that's an ongoing conversation uh and hasn't been decided, but it seems like they're leaning towards uh paying for social workers, which makes a lot of sense when you have something like a mental health emergency going on among young people. Um, but unfortunately, it 
misses the fact that libraries actually can serve as uh, a um, to to boost mental uh, health among students. Having a library program in your school uh, can it improves outcomes of, in every measurable way from uh, academic outcomes to mental health and well-being. Unfortunately, well, thank you so much for for joining us, Ben Mankoff, uh, who recently wrote um, an article for The Independent, which you can find online at independent.org. It's students still want to read books, but New York City's public school libraries are being forgotten. So independent.org. And thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Ben. You're listening to the Independent News Hour on WBAI. I'm Ambigar Garian with John Tarleton. It has been great to have you with us this hour. We would like to thank our board operator, Reggie Johnson, and uh, leaving you today, uh, you'll hear I'm Alive by Nora Jones. Oh. No.